Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And And this this is Storymakers Storymakers Show. And today on Storymakers, we're going to talk about back to the basics. All right. What that means for creativity, survival, just life right now. Okay. But first, Angie Powers, what are you working on? Mostly I'm working on staying calm. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you work on that? Sleeping. Where you're succeeding. When you're doing that, I mean... Yeah, I haven't been sleeping very well, though. So trying to sleep. Trying to sleep. Yeah. That's mostly how you've been working on it, (laughs) unsuccessfully. Well, I've gone through making a garden, then realizing that my garden is probably in ill health. Mm. Then realizing there's probably like lead in our yard. (laughs) Then realizing, you know, that... There's so many people having such a hard time right now. So... Was that like causally related to lead in the yard? No. I just I also think that, you know, there were definitely like a few things that have gone on and are going on in our sort of sphere that are not related to the shared trauma of the global pandemic, but we have other stuff happening. But they're related so. to the shared trauma of human mortality. Yes. That is still a shared trauma. It is true. It's interesting that something that is 100% normal and expected and not a shocking pandemic is also still completely traumatic. Mm -hmm. Like just even people dying ordinarily is just traumatic. It's It's kind of a human quirk about us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're off to a laughingly good start here. But no, these are serious times. What, what's going on? Is something going so on? So what are we talking about today? <laughs> so, well, first we're going to talk about what I'm working on. Yeah, what are you working on? <laughs> um, oh my gosh, so I'm back editing, right? So I had several people read the, the manuscript and I got interesting different notes. Um, partly I've had so many people read it that I'm kind of recycling people, which is challenging for people. Because they have no to, one likes to be recycled. <laughs> they have to give notes on, you know, how it's different, which is never exactly the right thing. But, but they're brilliant and lovely and kind-hearted and generous. So I hugely appreciate them. Um, and so I am back in, and it's it's interesting again because it was it's always hard to get notes. I mean, we've talked about this in a different episode, but I think the thing you always want is. It's done. (laughs) It's done. It's done. Congratulations. How did you do that? There's nothing else that you could possibly do to make this any better. I I couldn't think of anything. I was so so absorbed from the first page to the last, I forgot to make notes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's the, you know, and that is not unreasonable to want. Yeah. Um, And um, that has never happened to me. You know, that, that, Mm -hmm. that, that experience with the reader. Um, so, and the truth is when you, when you're hired to read something, you know, you would, or or asked to read something like you're, you feel it's your obligation to come up with something Mm -hmm. brilliant and helpful. So you're not going to just, anyway, whatever the point is, the, the more cogent, hopefully point coming down the pike here. Any minute. It's about to is it's hard to get notes, Mm -hmm. even if that's exactly what you wanted to ask for and need. And I went through the slump of, okay, I have some things I have to address. 
And then um, I started grappling with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the problem with the things you have to address is you don't know how until you grapple and you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. And then you realize. And so that, and then anyway, so I'm back in the really exciting thing. And I, I guess the good thing is that I'm tracking how this all happens. So when I get depressed, you know, what part I like, which is the challenge, which is the part where I'm fixing it, where I'm engaged, where I'm, you know, kind of mustering all my resources and looking at books and looking at craft and looking at, you know, and editing and whatever. And I, and I, I love that part. So I'm kind of enlivened again mm-hmm. um, as I struggle, but with it in my control, then I pass it off and I, and I get depressed. So that's where I then have learned just like this month, basically like pick up the next thing and dive into it and get to my happy place with, with some other project. Right. So that's me in a not nutshell. Okay. So today we were going to have a conversation. You've got some rules that you would like people to live by. (laughs) No, 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 no. I just, I thought it would be a good time to share the sort of, I have sort of three rules that, that run craft class. Okay. And I think they may have other resonances so we can look. Okay. Um, But also because I think it's sort of the back to the basics reminders. And I remember, you know, years and years ago reading Natalie Goldberg, um, Wild Mind, Living the Writer's Life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, which is about free writing. And, and basically she had a kind of meditation guru um, who said to her, you can use free writing as your practice instead of meditation. But, you know, so, you, so she would set a timer and she would just keep keep the pen moving, right? Keep writing. Mm-hmm. And the idea was sort of the same thing, like watch your thoughts, watch them flow out onto the page without judgment Just keep and just keep going. Just keep, mm-hmm. you know, watching your thoughts, but through writing rather than sitting mm-hmm. still uh, with your eyes closed. And... And so she wrote a couple of books about this and became sort of her own little guru of writing practice. And everyone needs a guru, right? And she said somebody somebody said to her, you know, is is there something new? Like is is writing especially when she came out with the second book, it was like, well, is is writing practice old hat? Like what's new? And she was like, that would be like saying, you know, meditation is out, standing on your head is what's in now, right? And it's in fact having your really basic practice kind of keeps you sane. And she mm-hmm. says something like, which is unusual for a writer. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> so the other thing I just want to say is I, at one point I had an audio recording of Natalie Goldberg teaching some kind of workshop. It was a tape that I listened to in my car just to date myself a hundred million years. That's so weird. Cause I dated you. <laughs> and, um, and her voice, she, you know, she was young, as was I, but her voice was exactly that of my grandmother's voice, my grandma Frida. And I'm like, she's a New Yorker. And I realized like that my grandma had sounded just like a Jewish grandma, even when she was like this beautiful, you know, olive skin, dark haired 20 year old, right? She still sounded like grandma. (laughs) That was was an aside about Natalie Goldberg (laughs) and my grandmother. (laughs) So I wanted us to think about the basics and so I'll share those rules. I think actually just the rules of free writing themselves are good. You know, just what are simple, simple, simple practices? Your idea of like too small to fail. I know that, mm-hmm. I know, you know, I don't know if that's your original idea, but like that practice that you encourage. Very few people. things. <laughs> Very few things are my original idea. But, but knowing when to say them is the art of being a 
funny, entertaining person. So that idea, though, of like, okay, just find something really small that you can do no matter what, right? So I, that's what I, so I just wanted to talk about, like, what are those things that are so simple that they like kind of... Well, no, you were talking about your rules. So well, what was I, the first that's one? That's what I have to offer. Okay. So my rules. So the first rule... Of craft, craft class. Of craft class is... You don't talk about craft class. <laughs> oh, boy. I just was like thinking about what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. and if that, that was a Fight Club reference. I know. Oh, okay. I know, but for some reason it triggered that for me. Okay. Free association. But anyway, I thought, well, if only that were true. Um, okay. So, yeah. So craft class. So the first rule of craft class is right. Mm-hmm. W-R-I-T-E. And I talk about how, you know, I will talk about all these theories and, you know, I'll read a passage, right? A passage from a book and then I'll talk about how it addresses whatever craft question we have before us. And the craft question usually comes from either something I'm wondering about or something one of the students in the class is wondering about. And so we read the passage and we talk about it and mm-hmm. and mostly I talk about it. And it's it can be a little heady, a little abstract. It's the ideas of how craft is at play here. At the same time, we're hearing this very rich passage, which is full of all the nuance of story. Mm-hmm. And that like triggers our reader selves, which are just wonderful, um, alive to detail and story and, and the perfect place from which to write, actually. And then you drop onto the page. And, and, and what I tell my students is, you know, when you drop onto the page, your only obligation is to write. And this is a little indebted to that Natalie Goldberg, like keep your hand moving, like just do it on the page, like write. Don't worry about if you're getting it right. And so in craft classes, don't worry about what I've just spouted on about. Don't worry about the craft topic. Don't worry about what the other writer did. Whatever you need will come with you. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in craft class, it's like, okay, you're going in, you have whatever questions you have about your book. You have whatever notes someone's giving you. You have whatever you're hoping to do. You have whatever you're afraid you can't do. Go to the page and just write. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And then you're doing it, you know? Right. so, so that's rule number one. Rule number one is to write. And I think for all the writers out there struggling with this really crazy time, if you can find a way to write, even like that one sentence, five minutes, whatever, um, it, it will sustain you. It, it feels terrifying and exhausting and too draining. But if you actually do it for five minutes, it's actually energizing. Mm-hmm. So what's number two? Number two, keep us moving along. So then they read it out loud, and number, rule number two is don't apologize. And part of that is, again, to stay in the creative mode, to stay in the spirit of I'm throwing paint at a canvas and seeing what I see. I'm playing. I'm mm-hmm. keeping my hand moving. So there isn't something I was supposed to do, and so there isn't something I could possibly apologize for. And when you're reading it aloud for the first time, you haven't really heard it before either. So you actually mm-hmm. aren't in a place to comment on it, to critique it. And what do you think people are doing with their apologies? Well, one, I mean, I think that um, it's very enculturated, like, you know, and, and it's especially a norm for like people who are socialized female, like it's just a No, I get that. But what do you think it is that they're trying to achieve by doing that? Well, I mean, one is the lowering expectations, right? Mm-hmm. I think like... You're sort of a fan of lowering expectations. You know it. <laughs> go in, go in, lower their expectations, and then wow them. You're like, with, I don't try to wow them. <laughs> with, with your vivid mediocrity. <laughs> yes. 
So I think it's lowering expectations. And also I think reading aloud implies you have the right to take up space and you, ha- you have some value. It, it claims a certain kind of value to read your work aloud. And so I think people are trying to say, you know, I'm not really claiming that value. I'm countering the value mm-hmm. claim mm-hmm. of reading aloud by apologizing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, and none of that is helpful in the creative process at all. No, no. Yeah. So, but, but for people, because we're, we're talking about where this might exist in other contexts. Mm-hmm. So for people who are in a different context where they are maybe writing by themselves in a cafe. Mm-hmm. where or not in a cafe anymore, like in their garage maybe. <laughs> or in their garage. <laughs> where we are right now. Yes. Welcome the, to our garage. With the door open and some neighbors walking by at an extreme social distance. Yeah. So, heading back to that. You were like, what con- how would that help So, people? yeah, in another context, if you, does it require other people? Does it require reading out loud? When you think about that don't apologize piece, at what point does that kick in? Well, I think it's right away because I think that um, we tend to do this, a version of this with ourselves. We're not as, as polite. We're not saying, oh, this is, I'm sorry, this isn't very good or I should have, whatever, I didn't, da, da, da. But we are usually coming to our raw, fresh work, our new, brand new ideas, our brand new scenes with a voice of criticism. Mm-hmm. And it's not really what's needed from, from so, so try not to, so, so, you know, we talked a lot about like the practice of writing, like practicing an instrument or practicing a sport. Don't, ex- there's no expectation that everything you write should be publishable or should be published. And um, and so, again, it's just like apology isn't even the right context. And well, whether- I think there's something interesting there about, I mean, for me, that yeah. is when I think about sort of developing a sort of minimum viable product. And I think there is something when you're in a group of people and you're going to read, which is what you do in craft class, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's something hugely... Um, positively self-reinforcing about that practice. Yeah. However, it does make you feel, if you have an immediate audience, that your work needs to be somehow meeting their audience. Because, of course, the other side of being a writer is to be aware of who it, for whom you are writing. Yes. And so knowing that not everyone in that room is by definition going to be your reader. I think people have an urge to also apologize because free writing is not the exercise that holds the reader in mind. And it it shouldn't be. And yet I will say that one of the things that I think ramps up the quality of the writing in craft class is, is exactly that audience Mm -hmm. is that it's like getting up and doing improv in front of an audience, right? The audience is, gives, just charges you with energy. And so and, and just t- to say with improv, even though people are like, oh my God, they're just like randomly making stuff up, they kind of aren't because they have existing forms. And so they practice, you know, making these interesting connections and doing these other things, but they absolutely practice before they get on stage. And they absolutely have a set of tools for taking that one prompt and moving forward. Well, and, and I think that's great for, the, for writing and for filmmaking and for anything else too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think... That's exactly the thing about having a creative practice is it has a form. So, I mean, in my, my rule, just right, you know, is, is in a way a form. It's kind of my abbreviated version of, of sort of the rules of free writing. Right. And I think that because of the framework of 
we're going to look at a tool somebody else used to achieve an effect, mm-hmm. and you can try that on if you want. Yeah. You're actually giving people the opportunity to be better than they might otherwise be if someone else... If you were just to say, for example, um, you know, have a character enter a room and make your reader worry. Right. Which is kind of fun. That's yeah. a fun prompt. Um, but then when you have an example of someone who's done that and done that well, mm-hmm. it's, I think, very inspirational. So, yeah. And I always say, you know, you might like, look, they do this and they do this and you might try this and you could try that. But, and they're on offer, but they are sort of like a, like a, a sort of a workbench full of tools you can pick up and put down. Right. And I think what I was trying to get to is that spirit of experimentation. Yeah. So that I think sometimes a lot, I mean, for myself, I can't speak for anybody else, but a lot of times when I have been free writing in the past, I will get sucked into journaling. Mm-hmm. Instead of actually creating something, I will end up writing all my feelings. And those are beautiful and wonderful, and I accept them all. And you don't apologize. And for I them. don't apologize for those. And at the same time, it's a different skill set. That's a different activity. It, it, this occurs to me, and I, you know, I, we can talk about it. I don't know. But the, that the other side of not apologizing is in some ways not allowing people to lower the expectations. I mean, on the one hand, it actually, it's, I really mean it to radically lower the expectations. Like we're just experimenting. We're just seeing what happened. And I will say to people who wants to find out what happened on the page, you know, and read out loud, right? So absolutely that part. And the flip side is you don't get to apologize. So you're there mm-hmm. and you are sort of like singing in public. And, and if you can't apologize, then what you ha- the alternative is to do the best you can and then to accept that. Right, so it's it's kind of a, it's not just so lower. It's not lowering expectations so that you can do less than your best, mm-hmm. right? It's lowering expectations so that you don't wait to start trying to do your best. It's the it's your like um, public not perfect, right? right? It's like do the best you can right now. Don't apologize for the fact that you're not where you're going to be if you if you start right now mm-hmm. and keep going. Yeah. All right. So the last rule. Yes. Is is and it, I used to say I only had two rules, and so I've kind of this has kind of evolved, which is because because I do have people read aloud, and sometimes they just read aloud in small groups, and so there's become a, a rule about responding to mm-hmm. raw first draft, just happened writing, which is sp- um, specific, honest praise mm-hmm. is what people need at this first pass. Like honest, it's like concrete, like what really worked here? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and it has I'm to be- very excited by your use of semicolons. <laughs> I was like, I thought you meant in the phrase on a specific <laughs> phrase. Um, yeah, well, I mean, things like, and things like, um, I loved that image of the sky mm-hmm. or I really wanted to know what was going to happen to this character. I mean, that's actually on a specific praise. Um, you know, I could, I could vividly see the moment when, you know, she touched the other person's shoulder or whatever. Right. So just like that thing where you're like, Oh, like something came alive in someone else's imagination because of what I put on the page. And just knowing that I think strengthens the practice so much. So then to take these rules and apply them to our listeners, wherever they may be, um, 
could we say then that there's a way to put into their practice at some point where they go back and maybe look at what they've written for the day and find just one thing mm. that they like about their own work today and it needs to be specific and honest and positive yeah yeah I think that's a great practice to go I know people who write poetry where they write a whole bunch of stuff and then they go back and they circle kind of the pieces that they really love Mm -hmm. and then they pull those out and start shaping those I feel like maybe Mary Mackey but we'll go back to her her episode (laughs) right Uh, well I, I I am Put in mind, uh, so Martin Seligman, right, who does, um, what is that called? Positive psychology. Okay. And so it was it really looking. in the show notes. Uh, he, he's really looking at, rather than abnormal psychology, looking at sort of what are the things that uh, move us in positive ways, right? What are, what are the, what's the psychology of, of being uh, positive, And one of the things that he sort of talks about is this piece of an exercise that that he did in one of his books, which was like when you were journaling, one of the things you could talk about was what was something that went well today and what was my responsibility for it? So when you were talking about the specific honest praise and I was thinking about our listeners sitting down with themselves, you know, giving yourself that one last focus. So you might have an opening ritual that you do before you do your writing. And then as a closing ritual, to look back at what you've done and find one thing that you can honestly tell yourself you enjoy and then acknowledge the fact that it's your fault <laughs> that you enjoyed it. And now it's time for Steal This. Amateur poets borrow. Professional poets steal. They steal. What have you come across in your wanderings and readings you would like to take and make your own? Well, this week, I think I actually already covered it, which is the using positive psychology tactics to reinforce the behavior you want to see more of. Can you give us a few more tactics? Well, positive psychology, I'm trying to think, um, because it was been a while, but I think I was most profoundly impacted by that particular exercise, which was about taking responsibility for the good things that happen to you during the day. Mm-hmm. So, um, or even just noticing. So if you were to take that specifically, I think what I'm going to try and do is, you know, look at the things that I do get done in a day because, oh my gosh, I have just been slogging through every single day and feeling like I'm just not getting anything done, but I feel like I'm doing something all day long. Um, and so I think even just capturing what went well, mm. like is step one. I love that. And actually it reminds me of the assignment I had at one point to do a positivity log around my interactions with one of the children. And that, you know, it was really encouraging me to both like search for what had gone well and mm-hmm. also to try for it, right? To like try to make positive things happen. And so, right. you know, t- doing that with all of life, like, a kind of, you know, so, so that not only are you like starting to track what is happening, but then you're like, it's sort of like your 10,000 steps. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to push and do a few more positive things just so I can write them down. <laughs> and I think it actually, when you, because it's so easy, we spend, we kind of default to everything that's gone wrong when we write in our journals or we capture things. And so um, I think for me, having a focused, what went well and not even like a gratitude list. It's just what went well. Well, that's because I've been doing a gratitude list, but I will say that like, 
it's a tiny bit repetitive now that my world has shrunk. <laughs> but also it, it removes the locus of control. Like I'm grateful for the fact that I am not currently, and I hope never to be, but I am not currently in a place where I am food insecure. And food insecurity does not stem from a lack of action right. on people's behalfs, right? right? So having gratitude for food is great and it's wonderful, um, but it's not something that I necessarily am like whereas, solely whereas responsible binging for. binging an entire bag of potato chips, that, that's an action. <laughs> that's an action, but, but to keep it positive... <laughs> Um, You're saying I wasn't. To keep it positive, even if it was like, you know, my goal is to write every day. And I didn't write today. But you know what? I did actually think about my project. Plus, you have a which deadline may not, of this evening, so you probably will write today. Yes. Um, which may not have been my goal. But you might end up, even if you do your, like, just some aspect, there is some way we contribute to the good things that happen to us. I think that's a tremendous idea, actually. I've... I recommend everybody do it. I challenge you. Yeah, Write this a week. positivity log. So this week is a positivity log on my creative work. And if anyone wants to send us a few items from that list, that would be fun. Yeah, I would love to see those. Yeah. Questions at storymakersshow.com. Do you actually check that yes. email? Awesome. <laughs> I'd hate to be like just sending people into the void. It automatically forwards. Awesome. Great. Um, so... Oh, well, you know, I usually have something like pulled right from a book and I am reading some good books right now and I've been reading some good books and I am so grateful for books and audiobooks. And um and see there you could actually say like something that went well today is I had an amazing interaction with this book, right? And your part of it was that you were the reader. Right. And I know that sounds really silly, but the truth is you are bringing yourself intentionally into spaces. So I think you get to and do all kinds of to things. to readers. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm, anyway, so yeah. So, um, and I'm reading a lot through audiobook cleaning. <laughs> anyway, but moving out of that realm for a moment, um, I've been noticing, well, first of all, on a Storymaker show, we talked about kind of what six, what strategies work in in general for you know for us what are what offers mm -hmm. support and what and and we talked about how I just do everything like how Ellen had to pick me up and like drive me to class and then I started exercising and I actually wrote to her and said okay we have to meet on Zoom to like then do another yet another Zoom video or whatever but like live together so we've been doing that a bit and um you know, I think we're still figuring out the timing and whatever, but it was just, it worked. It got me exercising. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that works. So I'm, that was very cool. And, and since I've been exercising and because we've been trying to work out the timing, it's been a little bit later in the day. I've had like all day long to completely dread it. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, God, I don't want to exercise. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I should clean the house. Oh, I should do something else. And then doing it just because I told someone else I would show up and do it. And then just getting so happy and feeling so good. And it's not even that it isn't like a little bit hard, especially when you're not doing it very often, but just, oh my gosh, it changes my whole mood. And I think um, there are a lot of things like that, mm -hmm. you know, and I always talk about how writing is much easier than actually thinking about writing. So kind of just taking, get just finding different ways to like push through or ignore 
the dread of things that in fact sustain and nourish and inspire and enliven me. Yeah. And that's what I want to steal. All right. And this is just a public service message to remind everyone that disinfectants are for the outside of your body. Hope you have a great writing week and we'll see you next week.